Jude, please, and we're going to read beginning in verse 1, and our text is verse 3. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. How many of you are sanctified today? Uh, You've been set apart by God. You're sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. There's three great descriptives of the saved, amen? And I'm thankful that, uh, that the Lord loves us and that he saves us. Verse 2, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I'd like to speak this morning on this subject, resolutions for the faith. And we'll spend some time here in Jude. This is not uh, an exegetical styled message. It's a little more of a topical message on the subject of our faith. But I want you to listen clearly this morning because there are so many uh, things that we see in Jude Uh, that also are reflected in our society and in the Christian culture today. So let's pray and we'll get right into this passage. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you this morning for the beauty of this day. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of, of what we've all been a part of the last two weeks. In the last two weeks, seeing over 350 people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior as a result of being involved in gospel ministry, Lord, and We just want to praise your name. Thank you for college students with a heart for souls. Thank you that we can now uh, spend some time here in chapel just getting a ministry heart and philosophy, Lord, that pleases you. And I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I heard of a New York family that bought a ranch in Texas and they intended to raise some cattle. And uh, some friends uh, came out, and and they asked them, they said, now, uh, does your ranch have a name? And the the new rancher said, well, I wanted it to be the Bar J. My wife wanted it to be the Susie Q. One son liked the Flying W, and the other wanted the Lazy Y. So we're calling our ranch the Bar J. Susie Q. Flying W. Lazy Y Ranch. And the visitor said, but where are all the cattle? To which the rancher said, well, none of them survive the branding. (laughs) Now, we live in a day where people are reluctant to accept certain identity. I think you could say that we don't always like the branding, if you will. And, uh, And certainly when we're out soul winning and talking with unsafe people, Uh, The primary brand that we want to talk about is the name Christian. How many of you are thankful that you're a Christian this morning, right? You're saved, and we're the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and that should always be first and foremost. But over the years, there have been terms that have identified position. Uh, Sometimes uh, we'll use uh, here in identifying, well, what kind of a Baptist church? Well, we're an unaffiliated church or an independent church. Uh, we, we believe in the fundamentals of the faith. We're a, a fundamental church. We uh, hold to fundamental truths. We're certainly a Baptist church, and we're thankful for the 
uh, Anabaptist uh, who paid a great price uh, for the distinctives that we hold. Sometimes uh, in the past, I remember seeing oftentimes uh, gospel tracts and brochures and, and even more descriptives, even more brands. Uh, premillennial was often mentioned, which we are premillennial. And sometimes people use the brand dispensational, and, and, uh, and that's a Bible word. That's a fine term. And, and so there are many descriptives that help us to identify uh, our uh, understanding and interpretation of the Word of God. And yet we live in a day when many uh, are resistant of that. And they say, just, just give me Jesus. Just call me a Christian. And sometimes that even sounds kind of special and spiritual when they say that. But on the opposite side of those statements, there is a shunning and a running from needed branding, if you will, or distinctives, if you will, that are really ancient landmarks that we should never, ever turn away from. And so in Jude, we find a, a cyclical letter going out to the churches of Asia Minor, and amazingly, in the first century, before the apostles had even passed off the scene, there already had come an undercurrent and an undermining to the faith. And you can read about this if you would like. Verse 4 gives a quick introduction. There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we might sometimes talk about uh, those that uh, abuse or misinterpret the grace of God, and certainly there are those today that uh, lean that way. I preached about that a few weeks ago as we came to Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? God? God forbid. Uh, and, and so we see some of those trends today. But isn't it ironic? There's nothing new under the sun. Even Jude's letter is addressing the fact that there were men who were turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and saying that grace was their way to live, their, their avenue to live, however they wanted to live. And so Jude writes to the early church, and he gives this amazing challenge in verse 3 when he says that I'm writing to you to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Let's say that phrase, earnestly contend for the faith. Ready? Earnestly now, I find in life, just speaking of human temperaments, two extremes of people. I find those that I would call passive Paul, and I find those that I would call angry Al on the other side. Some people are very passive, and they're, they need exhortation to stand up because by nature, that's not what they do. Some people, the angry owls, they're just looking for a fight every day, and they need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They need to be filled with the Spirit so that they walk in wisdom, and they don't just pop off and say something. Now, don't name a name, but probably in your dorm, you have some that are kind of passive and quiet, and some things can be going on that shouldn't go on, but they're just kind of doing their thing and kind of quiet. And you probably have somebody that's always just popping off at the mouth and, and uh, being the prophet of the dorm. And, and so there's people that temperament-wise tend to one side or the other. But in our generation today, it seems that we have fewer and fewer people who are willing to stand up and contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. In fact, we live in kind of a weird day. So, for example, instead of standing up for authority, 
the trend of the hour is to question authority. Instead of standing up for the police, people are throwing the police under the bus. Instead of standing up for uh, the truth, oftentimes the truth is questioned in the streets. So God says that he calls his people to contend for the faith. Now I believe that one of the major distinguishing marks with respect to someone that is truly a Bible-believing fundamental Christian is not only that they believe certain things on a piece of paper, but one of the distinguishing marks of our heritage is that we have been willing to stand up and speak out when doctrine is being compromised, that we are willing to contend, not to be contentious. I've tried to distance this ministry for many years from contentiousness, just for the sake of being contentious. But we must always have enough spiritual grit in our craw to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And I know that many people get weary of people fighting over things that are uh, smaller matters or preferential matters, and I recognize that. But I see as they are running from ministries that have made much of little things that they are beginning to make little of great things on the other side of the spectrum. It seems like there's always a ditch on both sides of the road. And it seems like angry Al is always in a ditch and passive Paul is always in a ditch. And it is only by the leading of the Holy Spirit that we can stand for the truth and that we can know when to contend for the truth. And so at the sake of perhaps some thinking that all we believe in is branding and overbranding till we kill something, I want to say to you this morning that a Bible-believing Christian is someone who is willing to fight for the brand of biblical fundamental truth. We are willing to stand up for the truth. In fact, one of the differences between the evangelical that you may uh, meet or hear on the radio or in some technological venue and the fundamental pastor that sent you to West Coast Baptist College is that the evangelical believes what you believe on paper, but your pastor's willing to stand up and fight for what is on paper and even to separate from those who deny what is on that paper. Because as we have said before, liberalism is the truth denied. Fundamentalism is the truth stated. And new evangelicalism is the truth compromised. And we want to be a people who will state the truth and who will contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And that is the DNA of Baptist people who have come out, uh, who have been willing to stand, who have been burned, who have been drowned because they wouldn't shut up about baptism or eternal security or the scriptures. I think about uh, even as the Baptist in Netherlands met in exile from England and Thomas Helwyn and others who said, uh, we do not believe in the idea of infant baptism and we're going to speak out against the Roman Catholic Church and we are going to contend for the truth of the word of God. And they were persecuted and they were banished because they contended for the faith. But without Anabaptists like this and without men like we mentioned last night, Tyndale, who willingly offered their lives as a living sacrifice that we might have the Word of God, then we would not be sitting here at West Coast Baptist College this morning. And so uh, I say to you that a true Baptist is someone that is willing to contend for the faith, the body of truth that has been given to us. And I want to speak to you about that. And yes, I have summer in mind, and I have 
in my mind the fact that you'll be in many various places, uh, many various uh, types of influences come upon you. And I want to challenge you this summer to stand, to contend even, for the faith once delivered unto the saints. Three thoughts this morning. First, I want to encourage you to resolve to stand in the faith. Make that as your resolve. I'm going to stand in the faith the truth given to the church and given to me. The faith is our foundation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. Be firm in holding and defending the truths of the gospel. Paul the Apostle said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. What was the gospel? Was it a method of interpretation? Was it a philosophy of living? Uh, it, it was perhaps those things secondarily and maybe in a third case. But fundamentally, when Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he meant the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he would not back down from that fact that Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. And as you enter into a pluralistic society, as you enter into a society that is fine with uh, Allah and fine with Wicca and Wiccans and fine with uh, the New Age philosophies and maybe a little Jesus in there is okay, your responsibility is not to settle for some type of fellowship where Jesus is one of the objects on the shelf, but your responsibility is to lift him high for there is none of name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Never be ashamed of the claims, the truths, the doctrines of Jesus Christ. The faith is our foundation. And the faith really becomes our defense in this world and in the ministry. 1 Peter 5 and and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Listen, the only way to stand up for the faith is to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and to stand and resist the ungodly trends and terms of this day by rightly dividing the Word of truth. I have a church that I've preached at a few times in the Philippines, and uh, perhaps we'll preach there once again someday, and it's the Bible Baptist Church of Cebu, Dr. Armi Chisalva is in his 80s, still the pastor of the church, and winning thousands of people to the Lord. That church has a sign on the side which says, what the Bible says. Now, the name of the church is the Bible Baptist Church, but this huge sign, what the Bible says. And you can get into a taxi cab anywhere in that city and you can say, take me to the church that will tell me what the Bible says. And they take you straight to the Bible Baptist Church. I don't know about you. I want to be a part of a church that will tell me what the Bible says. Because the Bible is the foundation. And the Bible is that which we use in in fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. So I challenge you this summer to be resolved to stand in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, I want to challenge you to to be resolved to be stabilized in the faith. Why do we preach this message? Why did the Holy Spirit put this in the Bible? Let's be very clear. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
Let's be very clear that there's no guarantee that a graduate from a Bible-believing school like this, there's no guarantee that you will be found fundamentally holding to the faith 10 or 20 years from now. It must be intentional in your heart that there is a religious drift. There is an apostasy in the land, and it is swallowing up many uh, people, many churches, many leaders. And so you must determine to be stabilized in the faith. Why? Because, first of all, some will depart. There's no question about it. And sometimes I can be melancholy about that, Dr. Getch. Sometimes it, it, it's a burden on me. How can that be? Why would someone depart from the faith? Why would they follow after the jargon of the liberals? Why would they do that? How does that happen? And then I remember that even Jesus had one in his early church of 12 that apparently was not a true believer. And then there are others that maybe were believers, but they drifted as well. In fact, in John 6, Jesus, after the disciples turned back, looked at the 12 and said, will you also go away? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. By the way, how many of you believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God? So imagine 1 Timothy chapter 4, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. It is a double emphasis here. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and this is what he says, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So the hippie movement of the 60s and 70s with their question authority has come full circle into the modern church and they are questioning many times the faith. They are using terms that bring questions more than answers and we see from this that there is a departing from the faith. It is uh, translated here and a falling away, an apostasy to remove oneself from a position originally held. Uh, who we think of, of Judas who was closed to the gospel and Demas who knew the gospel, but he departed. First Timothy 1 and 19, holding faith and a good conscience, having, uh, having put away, uh, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. First John 2 and 19, uh, they went out from us because they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So why do we need to hold to the faith? Why, why would we stand and say be stabilized in the faith? Because some will depart. Let me just say this, fellas. I don't like to say this, but there will be people that you grew up in your youth group with and some perhaps that you've gone to college with and you're going to turn around someday and you're going to find they're not even in church any longer and I want to just challenge you when that happens. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes in the Word of God. Be thankful for your heritage as a Bible-believing Baptist and press on for Jesus. Jesus Christ. So, well, man, that guy got so involved, and it, at first it was just, you know, the Hillsong music, then it was the Hillsong doctrine. Now he's not even a Baptist. I know it, it, it it's, it's amazing the, the pull that seems to be on so many people, but you've got to determine right now I will not be moved. I will believe the faith, I will contend for the faith, and I will walk in the faith once delivered unto the saints. Some will depart. Some will drift. Ephesians 4.13. Would you turn there, please? Ephesians 4.13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth 
be no more children tossed to and fro. And sometimes it's interesting to me, and I've said this recently, be careful that you're not this 18-year-old guy that knows more than your pastor. Be careful that you don't listen to the latest sensation out there and suddenly you know you're going to correct your pastor because really what's happening and you don't realize it you're being tossed to and fro is what's happening you're the pawn of somebody who has put a little question into your mind and the bible speaks of this that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. In other words, staying with the truth, speaking the truth. Some are going to be uh, pulled this way and tossed to and fro this way, but you're going to keep speaking the truth in love. And so why do we resolve to be established and stabilized in the faith? Because some will depart and some will drift. But let me just encourage you with this. Some will develop. There are some men in this room who have been listening this year. There are some men in this room who are developing some doctrinal fortitude, some Baptist distinctive, some compassion for the lost, a love for Jesus Christ. I don't know necessarily who you are or where you are, but I believe as sure as I'm standing here that while some will depart, there are some men in this room that are going to go to a city and you're going to win souls and build a church and you're going to go to a foreign country and raise up many churches and some of you are going to preach great revivals and some of you are going to lead great Christians schools, I believe with all of my heart that while some will depart, the majority of the men in this room are developing and will be greatly used of God someday. Rooted and built up in him, Colossians says, and established in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. I think there's going to be some men in this room someday going to say, I just thank God that I sat in classes with Dr. John Getch. I, I just thank God that I had the privilege of sitting at the feet of the men of God at West Coast Baptist College. I thank God for my home pastor. You're going to abound therein with thanksgiving. And let me tell you something about the crowd that is tossed to and fro and given to every new cliche. They're normally a very unthankful crowd. They're not thankful to their pastor who raised them up. They know more than him. They're not thankful to an instructor who prayed and taught and encouraged because they kinda, they're kind of above that. But something that happens in the life of this developing man of God, he becomes a grateful person. He's grateful for every way that God developed him. Colossians 1 and 23, if he continue in the faith grounded and settled... And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, made a minister. I just want to pause here and say something. I'm so thankful for the privilege of being the pastor of an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. You say, why? Because you like to preach? Preaching's fine. Because you like to administrate? Administration's okay. But you know the best part about the ministry? is watching people's lives develop. Oh, but pastors get hurt, don't they? When, when people depart, when, when, uh, when people drift and they, they drift into other theological realms or they drift away from God completely, doesn't that really hurt, Brother Chapel? Oh, it hurts very much. 
But can I tell you there's a great blessing in watching people develop too. I think of Caleb McCullum. I remember when his dad came to this church, an Air Force man. I remember when he got out of the Air Force, Dave McCullum did, and he came to me. He said, Pastor Chapel, I really believe God wants me to stay here and raise my family here. Caleb was just kind of a young man that always had the joy of the Lord and always shook my hand after church. And as I recall, he wasn't a great basketball player. I think he played pretty, pretty good in football. And, but he loved the Lord. He loved the youth group. I remember Caleb McCullum just growing and developing in the Lord and going out on teen soul winning. By the way, I'm not talking about some of you that are from other churches right now. I'm just speaking as a pastor right now. I remember when Caleb McCullum at Missions Conference surrendered to be a missionary. I'm thankful that today he's a preacher in Germany, a graduate of West Coast Baptist College, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have to talk about other men's fruit that they've sent to West Coast Baptist College. I'm telling you that there are dozens and even hundreds of people from Lancaster Baptist Church that have developed to the point that they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ themselves. I'm thinking about Thomas Coates. Thomas Coates was just a young man on our campus here, just liked sports and kind of hung around his dad who taught for our school. And, and uh, he'd, he'd always ask me questions about the Bible, about things going on, and, and uh, sometimes he had this little sarcasm to him, and, and uh, yet he just overall kept a good attitude, graduated from West Coast Baptist College. He's the principal of a large Christian school in the state of Ohio today, just being faithful to Jesus Christ. God developed him and brought him along the way. I think of Luis Montano, who was saved through our bus ministry, saved out of the gang lifestyle, and I'll never forget when he graduated from West Coast and, and uh, was ordained and how he put the questioners back with some of the answers and, and uh, building one of the great churches in Mexico today, a graduate of this school. And I, I think about Sal Minivar, one of our deacons who just came to me and we had some college students just knocking doors in L.A., knocking doors in L.A. And, and, and he came to me and he said, you know, I'd like to help with that. I think maybe I could start a church down there with, uh, with, with that uh, group there. And uh, Brother Sal Minivar uh, never did graduate from Bible college. He already had a secular degree and already had a business going, and now just bought a multi-million dollar building in downtown Los Angeles, reaching hundreds of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I could tell you about those who drifted and those that, that, that departed, but let me tell you about those that have developed. Let me tell you about Ryan Johnson. I remember driving to Palmdale on a Tuesday night. I remember opening up the Bible with John and Sue Johnson and sharing with them the gospel. I remember when it came time for them to pray and accept Jesus Christ as Savior, both of them were nurses in the local hospitals. And I remember looking up the stairs, a little boy was watching the entire thing. Imagine being a little boy, eight or nine years old, watching your mom and dad get saved. It wasn't long after that when Ryan got saved and came to our youth group and came to our school and began to grow and develop. And he's a pastor now just a few miles south of San Francisco, uh, California. I could tell you about Clark Graham and how he came to this church and uh, how he had weird dress styles and, and hairstyles and kind of a different attitude, a public school. Uh, boy, and, and uh, yet uh, God got a hold of his heart, and he began to develop here in this ministry, and he got some convictions, and he learned the faith, and he's a pastor today in Washington State, standing up and staying true, and not getting involved in the trends of the day. Yes, some will depart, and some days you might feel like the majority of people are changing, and maybe you've got to change to keep up with the time, but I thank God for those that have developed and are being faithful to the call of Jesus Christ. Christ upon their life. 
Don't you ever get to feeling like, ooh, all the young guys are going to this trend and this term and going that way. Oh, no, 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 no. There are thousands that are standing for the truth of the Word of God today. Resolve to stand in the faith. I think of Angela Jones, just a quiet girl, just a real quiet girl in our school. Never probably got a demerit, <laughs> never gotten any trouble in school or college. Just quietly came to the first year of West Coast Baptist College, one of our very first graduates. Just a teenager that developed here in the church, who now for 20 years has been living in Russia, leading Russian women to Christ, leading Bible studies. I'm thankful that God, through the local church, develops people in the faith so that they can carry the gospel. So I challenge you, resolve to stand in the faith and resolve to be stabilized by the faith. And let me close with this this morning. Resolve to strive for the faith. Resolve to be someone that is going forward for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1 and 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, that's what it's all about. So that's why doctrine matters. That's why we're careful about trends and terms and affiliations and alliances. Why? Because the gospel matters. It's not just a cliche term. It's not just a book title. It is Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone of the church, and we must strive with one spirit. Acts 2 and 46, and they continue daily with one accord in the temple and break bread from house to house, and it eat their meat with gladness and with singleness of heart. Listen, when God's Holy Spirit is at work in a church or even in a Bible college, there is a unity of love. We must strive with one spirit. We must strive with one mind. With one mind. You say, well, how do you get thousands of Baptists to have one mind on anything? You get them into one book. The rule of Scripture, the canon of Scripture, with one mind. Oh, we must have this mind in our stewardship, in our soul winning, in our service for the Lord Jesus Christ. Strive with one spirit, strive with one mind. And then the Bible says, striving for the faith, striving for one faith, the faith of the gospel. I believe today that doctrine is what brings us together. It's what holds us together as a church. The doctrine of Christ brings us together. The doctrine of the Word of God is the glue that holds the church together. And a man one time, he wanted to join our church. He did not believe in eternal security. He had a couple of other areas that his doctrine was different. And I said, sir, honestly, uh, if you're going to join this church, here's the church doctrinal statement. And we accept people based upon their profession of faith and like faith and practice. And, and, uh, and, and, and so I said, if you have these differences, then you're not really a Baptist. Uh, you may have come from some Baptist churches. And, and he looked at me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, do you really believe that everybody in that church believes eternal security? I said, I really do, and those that's, that would not, they're very hypocritical because we're very clear with them right up front what kind of a church we are. And what I want you to recognize is that the faith represents a body of truth, and we're to strive together not just for an emotion, not just for music, not just for a look, not just for a cultural, uh, a, a cultural direction, but for the faith 
of the gospel. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept, which meant he guarded. He was serious. He was vigilant about the truth given to him. And I want to challenge you students as we come to the end of this college year and as we look out toward the ministry opportunities that lie ahead, resolve that you will stand, listen to me, stand in the faith, that you'll not stand in the trends. Some of you, because of a background, perhaps with certain kinds of music, you could walk in the mall and walk past the old Navy store and suddenly you're just kind of pulled in. And some of you are so unestablished in your faith that you could be pulled into a false church just by the beat. I just want to say, the doctrine should matter more than the beat. Be stabilized in your faith. Get some roots in your faith. And so we resolve to stand and to be stabilized. And then I challenge you, strive for the faith. Now listen. Those of you that are going home to a home church this summer, listen carefully. Look right up here, fellas. This is what you do. You go home to your pastor and you say, Pastor, I'm here for nine weeks and I'm reporting for duty. I am here to strive with you for the faith. I intend to be present at soul winning. I remember a day when we had a young man in this church before we had a college. He was from another college. During the summer, he attended rarely. He never went soul winning, grew his hair long. And I remember thinking to myself, number one, I would never hire a man like that. And number two, I think very little of where he went to college. Having a college now for these 24 years, I probably was harsh to think, say that about the college, but I must tell you that you are the ambassador of Christ, and what some people will know about West Coast is only what they will see in you this summer. And I want to challenge you to strive together for the faith. Pastor, how can I help? What would you like me to be involved in? Would you like me to help in a class? Would you like me to help in camp? I just want you to know I'm here to serve. And if you go to a summer camp or go to work with a missionary, the same thing. Sir, I am here to strive together with you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that means washing dishes, if that means cleaning the cabin, if that means door knocking, whatever it means, I just want you to know I am your partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ because we want to advance the faith. We want to see more people come to know Christ. We want to see more people striving together for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jude says, I write these things unto you that you would earnestly contend for the faith. Doctrine still matters. Being stabilized in that doctrine still matters. Our heritage and those who have gone before us, it all still matters. And I pray that while some will drift and some will deny, that you will be developed into a godly, Christ-loving, Baptist person who takes a stand on the Word of God in their generation.